This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air. Otago Access Radio, in partnership with Otago Polytech, brings you Blowing Bubbles. Blowing Bubbles brings you positive conversations with people in their bubbles around the world. How are people living their bubble lives? Working from home, keeping kids entertained, and staying connected and getting exercise. And how are these things presenting us with the opportunities to find new ways of living? Every weekday, the Sustainable Lens team of Samuel Mann, Shan Gallagher and Mara Karatai reach out from their bubbles to chat with interesting and positive people around the world. Broadcast on Otago Access Radio 105.4 FM and streamed and podcast on oar.org.nz and sustainablelens.org. Bringing connection, joy, kindness and peace in the days ahead. Welcome to Blowing Bubbles, positive conversations with people in their bubbles, their safe spaces around the world. I'm Samuel Mann in Sawyer's Bay, Dunedin, and joined by Mawera Karatai in Fokotani. Kia ora, Sam. Well, what's happened, Mawera? <laughs> well, yes, that was a bit, bit alarming, wasn't it? That uh, loud noise coming through the phone. Um, but, but it's not like we didn't expect it. We were told, we've been told for months to be prepared. Yeah, and I think this is our opportunity to show how good we are, to show how good the systems are. We've done I this before. So we know what we're doing. Hold. Yep, we know what to do. And this time uh, they're adding please wear masks to the message, which is uh, which is good because I just bought a big box of them the other day. Remember last week when Ashley said everybody should have masks, I went and got a box of them. Um, so, yeah, we're good to go. And did but you hey. see that one of the people travelled to Rotorua over the weekend? Yeah, we were just talking about that. Tamati was supposed to have his uh, campaign meeting in Fakatani, his uh, politics and pub, but that's been postponed uh, because of the increased risk. So we had a show all recorded yesterday, and yes, it's kind of it's it's kind of weird that we don't talk about it, but we're going to run it today anyway, knowing that we recorded it yesterday. So who did we talk to yeah. yesterday? Uh, yesterday we talked to the very awesome Mr. Marcus Baker, um, who is an incredible innovator, and we're lucky to have him. Came from the UK, and we're keeping him. Let's listen to our conversation then with Marcus. Marcus, welcome, and thanks for joining us today. No problem. Thanks for the big build-up. <laughs> <laughs> so how was your bubble life? Me, Marcus. Um, yeah, uh, well, both my wife and I work from home a lot of the time. So the main difference was that we had two smaller people working here too, which is our kids. Um, so that was, that was interesting. Um, they're both roosters, as Mawada would well know. Um, so they need quite a lot of activity and stimulation. And um, yeah, it was a it was an interesting time, but we're we're really blessed. Like I, I try to explain it to them quite frequently, and also to myself that um, yeah, we live on a piece of land, and we're we're outside of Fakatani, and we've got veggies, and we've got animals, and uh, we've got space, um, and yeah, in, in a lot of ways, it, it wasn't very different, and and in a lot of ways, it was really nice because it was really quiet. That that rail trail that Mawada was just talking about. Um, it's really, really close to my house. I, I can actually see it from where I'm sitting right now. <laughs> and we cycled along State Highway 2, um, which is the, the, our road. And normally I wouldn't want to go on there 
um, because it's got big trucks and things like that. And and of course there was there was nobody. And it was really interesting how loud the birds were. And I still can't quite work out if it's they were louder um, while the rest of the world was quiet, or or I can't believe there are more of them because they can't possibly breed in that time. So so their numbers kind of changed. But I think how aware I was of them maybe changed, or or how vocal they were. I can't quite tell which way round it was. So, so yeah. So you said you work from home anyway. Was it different? working from home and surviving a pandemic or was it just let's just roll into this uh, surviving my children <laughs> <laughs> i mean the pandemic we, i don't know if we even i think what do we have now what a one case in the eastern bay in the whole time it was yeah it in was a very of, yeah it was just one case that was in a portuguese and they went straight from overseas into isolation yeah so it was a kind of irreal time where you really were very aware that that everything was different um, and everything around the world was even more different, but locally, it, it also wasn't very different. It was, I don't know. It's, it's a strange emotional state. So you were able to work? Yep. Yep. We couldn't. So, so my organization, we, we design and distribute sustainable, low energy water heating and, and central heating systems. So we couldn't really, well, we could send out products actually because of the way that we're resourced but no one that we would send it to was working. Um, so th- there wasn't any active um, ordering, as it were. So we, we didn't make any sales, I guess you could say. Um, but I was still doing designs and still responding to inquiries. And I think a lot of people spent a lot of time in their homes and went, hmm, it's, it's not that warm or hmm, it's not that you know functional or gosh, don't I have a high power bill? And so there was quite a bit of inquiry around that. Let's take the first of your music choices. Let's have I'll Be Your Mirror from Velvet Underground and Nico. I'll be your mirror what you are in case you don't know I be the wind the rain and the sunset the light on your door to show that you're home when you think the night has in your mind that inside you're twisted and unkind let me stand to show that you are blind please put down your hand I see you I find it hard To believe you don't know The beauty you are But if you don't Let me be your eyes to your darkness so you won't be afraid when you think the night has in your mind that inside you twisted and unkind let me stand to show that you are blind please put down your hands cause I see you Oh 
I think that's a really interesting song and it's probably one of my favorites of all time because it's the lyrics are a, a reflection on mindfulness. So were you homeschooling as well during the lockdown? Um, our children were at home and school was not open. <laughs> I if I could quite describe it as homeschooling, we, we did some. My wife's a, a much better person at that type of thing and, and both her parents were teachers, um, which I guess must help. Um, and that's my poor excuse. Because teaching's hereditary. Exactly, yeah. It's not a learnt skill at all. It's inherited. <laughs> and they're back at school and everything's good now? Yeah, yeah. All back to normal, really. Um, yeah. It feels a little bit like the calm before the storm because it doesn't feel possible that we can indefinitely avoid some changes, some cases. Why do you think New Zealand was so successful, at least so far? We listened to the science. I think that's so clear and it's so glaringly different to what's happening with climate change when you've got you I, I, I said this to people quite a lot at the time it's like if I because I'm involved in environmentalism for 15 20 years and um, if I said to all these people okay next week you're going to reduce your carbon emissions by 90 percent and it's because of a perceived threat of something um, <laughs> people just laugh at you but yet, you know, we we spun on a on a on a coin, and we continue to. The whole world continues to. It's it's quite incredible the change. What do you think is the difference? The immediacy um, of the threat. Yeah, it's, yeah, it must be the immediacy of the threat, um, and the, um, the 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 not the intensity of it exactly, but maybe the the fact that it can affect anybody at any time. The the, the prevalence of it. Um, it's really. Difficult to know because you, without being too sort of reactionary about it, the coronavirus isn't that terrible a disease compared to many things which inflict people. So the only difference I can perceive is the infectiousness of it. So what do you think we can learn from how we've responded for those longer term intergenerational even um things climate change social justice and so on yeah uh literally anything's possible which is quite positive <laughs> yeah. you can do pretty much anything you want if you've got the motivation and um, and 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 popular support um that we can combine our efforts and 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 make really 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 extraordinary radical change extremely quickly um if if we're motivated but i guess the other yeah, the, the flip side of it is how do you get motivated when you've got a lizard brain about something that takes you know, decades, maybe generations to really impact in, in, a, in, a, in a very, very meaningful way? Get harder for arguing for change in the future or easier? We, we've proven that change is possible, but we've also spent all the money. Yeah, the money thing's a massive issue. Um, and I, I thought it was really interesting what people like the, um, the, the UN climate change head, um, Christine Guterres, I think it is, um, and others came out and said that we had about 10 years and now we've probably got about 10 months, maybe six months. Even some people were saying like in, in a matter of weeks, just because the crunch of deciding on spending that much money means that it, you, you kind of get one opportunity to do it 
Um, so yeah, fundamentally everything's been accelerated. So the the risk as well as the opportunities. Yeah, so it's a thing that we we could have done if if we hadn't got this big debt to service. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how things play out as well over time with working arrangements and living and and priorities. Yeah, it's nice to think that we all end up with a bit more time. But as a species, we we tend to it seems to go the other way in a lot of reasons. And and everyone that I speak to who's in work is busier now than they were before the coronavirus. Which is a bit ironic because one of the things that we all enjoyed in the lockdown four was that moment of moment of not being busy. And we kind of told yeah. ourselves we wouldn't rush back to being busy. And then what did we do? We rushed back to being busy. Yeah. And it takes a huge amount of will not to. I actually only know of two people really well. That's a good friends of ours, Louise and Peter, who, who seem to make active choices around that and are disciplined enough to follow them through. Um, no one else really, including myself, is very good at, at limiting activity. So what work is it that you do from home? I run a company called Apricus NZ Eco Energy. And so we design and distribute sustainable, low energy, well, environmentally sustainable, low energy, uh, hot water and heating systems for homes and commercial buildings. And that work has is carried on. Yep. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We've got busier. We've got busier uh, post COVID. Um, possibly because you know you've now got a, a ten and a half or a twelve month year compressed into ten and a half months. So I think that's part of it. It's, you know, especially in New Zealand, not a huge amount of stuff in my world got cancelled, and so it's just kind of got compressed more. You know that 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 six weeks of of slowdown or, or and partial lockdown and then lockdown was a kick in the guts for, for a lot of things. But in building construction, it didn't necessarily um, just stop it or can't get cancelled. Sorry, it, it paused, and then now we're all back into it again. Um, and there's more people looking at renewable energy solutions, I think, than than in the past. And with our current government, we've got some really good support happening and more more hopefully being announced over time and is that of is that new build or is it retrofit both uh both yeah domestically i think it's more dominated by new build um commercially it's uh, a retrofit just as much we're doing a lot of work at the moment with schools so we did a boiler conversion or not conversions or replacement a few weeks ago in Netherton, just outside Padua. So that was taking out an old coal boiler and replacing it with a wood pellet one. And so you've got you know, massive 99.5% reduction in carbon emissions, um, but also quite a big impact on the school. So like the, you know, the caretaker doesn't need to go there and shovel coal every day for like an hour. It's, it's quite unbelievable, actually, what, what happens in our schools, um, kind of under the radar. When our boiler blew up, our hot water cylinder blew up, happened as we were on the way out to work to meetings or something and a plumber came in and the next thing we knew he'd replaced it with a um the same as what was there before and we're just like have been kicking ourselves since then because that was our moment to to make a change how do we change the system so that the default is a regenerative action not just a more of the same action that's a big question it's multiple levels isn't it you've got to have it as a knee-jerk solution 
so so it's it's the a go-to option and so mm -hmm. that involves awareness raising and marketing and you know all the sort of soft stuff um and i think we need to be better at disincentivizing the the less good options and and that's reasonably easy actually in this country especially if we just apply what you're asking about to hot water because you know you've got a pretty clear scale with worst to best and worst is gas and yet 65 to 70 percent of all new builds use gas instant hot water systems so we've got a, a serious problem with that, that that's all kind of flying under the radar and, and is all you know industry kind of led basically and hasn't been addressed by any government ever um and then we've got electric water heating which although you know relatively inefficient you could say it, it it's not it's 100 efficient but it's not it doesn't benefit from things like solar or heat pumps but in new zealand it's pretty renewable and especially if you have it on a nighttime tariff you can do it very renewably um as opposed to say someone like australia or, or the uk um, where you've got a lot of coal being burnt to, to generate electricity and then you get into the more efficient technology so solar water heating and hot water heat pumps um and it, it might not be all is lost because if you've got a hot water cylinder you've got 50 percent of the of the answer there because you if you're going to use renewables you have to have batteries and when i say a battery i don't mean something that is electrically charged i just mean a store of energy so you having a if if, if it was a cylinder that went and you still have a cylinder then there's often ways that can use to heat that renewably with no cylinder so with a gas instantaneous and it's something i try and explain to people quite a lot we're really really used to this idea of instantaneous energy and that's a bit of a mirage really because it's it's stored solar energy so, so all the energy in the world comes from the sun in one way or the other it's just about how long has it been banked for so if if you burn a fossil fuel it's been banked for a few million years and so it's essentially very concentrated because if i said to you hey sam you've got hot water if you just had to wait half a million years to get enough <laughs> energy to fill up your bath you'd be right hey you yeah, probably wait wouldn't that long. Be. yeah you or, or at least someone else in your household that, that requires more frequent bathing than you would not be so happy about that um and um but that's the reality and so if we talk about efficiency if you can even get a little bit more efficiency out of the system than just the sun shining on a piece of you know surface then then we're we're getting ahead but we do need to store that that energy and and uh, in the, in the case of hot water that's in a hot water cylinder because the, the sun doesn't shine at night and it and it doesn't shine so intensely that it immediately heats the water to 60 degrees for you to to then safely bathe with so time's a really important factor and the best way of saving time is to store energy so long answer you probably could still do something good if you have a hot water cylinder bubble sprite of the forest of orakanui dinning's favorite goddess tahu mackenzie Kia ora koutou, namahi aroha nui, kia koutou kotahua Hope you're all having this day, beautiful superstar in your beloved and really hope that wherever you are, whatever is happening around this journey that we're all on together is proving to be very rewarding, staying very fast to illuminate you, who you are, triumph, yeah, making this better. Thank you. 
So of course, as we know, I deepen the recuperation zone and I have a week of recuperation time, which is very exciting. Having emerged from my stunned in hospital chrysalis and being tested in both nostrils for COVID-19 and both returning negative. But nonetheless, moving through some very mysterious fevers, which were very transcendental and powerful and healing and amazing, but obviously couldn't sustainably continue, had to be dealt with with very strong antibiotics. So I finished my course of antibiotics, but I'm still in deep in recovery mode. And my wonderful was assisting with this process. And I'm learning a lot from him of taking more slowly, which is not of my nature. And pacing myself with things throughout the day. And he's accompanying me and supporting to do together for our business other aspects of my life. So I'm very grateful for that support. And today has been really lovely because I've been able to go back to Orokanui visit my wonderful manager at our events manager and thank them profusely for all their support of this time. I've been very, very supportive, as have all the schools with rescheduling all their bookings and things like that for when I'm back next week. And I've spoken to some lovely teachers today, so just a real feeling of great support. And because I'm not really able to do very much, of course I'm having to wrestle with a sense of inertia or fear of losing momentum and what I'm doing needing to balance this of course the knowledge and the understanding that I need to fully rest and recharge myself so something that is helping me to get that balance right organizing everything for next week when I will be back in action just making sure everything is prepared and ready to go and also reconnecting with a lot of my favorite stories and favorite alternate realities that have really seen me through similar processes of rest and recuperation for years and one of my favorite series of stories is the parks and recreation series which i don't know if any of you have watched but it's so funny really really entertaining and for me i find what works best is to be very selective about the realities that i expose myself to so i don't generally watch things but with parks and recreation because it is so funny and it's all about Leslie Nope, the star, doing her best, of course, to serve the natural world, the real world, the living world, amongst juggling all of these personalities. It's really meaningful for me, and I've been watching it and re-watching it a lot over the years, so returning to it again today, it's a wonderful way of seeing how far I've progressed in my own story, and thinking about all the new personalities that surround me now from the last time I watched it. And of course, we are constantly surrounded by stories many of our relationships are based on shared stories and it was lovely reconnecting with my manager and events manager today and all the shared stories that we have that are ongoing hearing updates from the latest series of orokanui stories since i've been away and of course we serve this role for people who love us too we hold so many shared stories Often when we are moving from one way of being to another way of being, it's part of weaving those parallel stories together. So my recuperation needn't feel too unsettling. It is just my story unfolding in a new direction. So I hope you're all having a great day, whatever part of your story you're up to, and I look forward to talking. Thanks so much. Kakiti. Is there an order in which we should do things? Should we do the double glazing first? um no i would double glazing would be reasonably low on the list it depends what you want to try and achieve um if like so if you're trying to make your home warmer and drier then insulation and good curtains are are the two biggest priorities 
if you're trying to reduce your environmental impact, then you want to look at wherever you're consuming fossil fuels um, and reduce that. So, you know, if you're heating water or heating your house with gas or diesel or coal, then that really should go um, in favor of, of, a, of a, either a, a, a renewable resource like wood or, or electricity, in a, preferably in an efficient way, like with a heat pump um, or, or supported by solar, uh, not necessarily solar power, but solar hot water. Solar power is actually quite a long way down the list. And people ask me a lot, well, you know, oh, I could put solar on and batteries in my house. It's like, well, yeah, you could. Um, but the payback's really long. So you're not going to get a great economic benefit from it. You're going to get a bit of a feel good. And environmentally, the best place to put batteries is in your car. So if somebody wants to make a significant environmental difference, then switching to an electric vehicle or electric bike is the number one way to, to reduce their environmental impact. Um, and then cost savings wise, actually hot water is one of the first places to, to look. Um, you know, it depends on your family size. And Mawada mentioned before that you've only got a, f- a small household, then, then it's not such a great opportunity of savings. But as, house, as your numbers build up in your house, you know, certainly over three, then you, you have a huge opportunity. And I've seen quite a bit of data. Oh, you asked about how it could be changed. The government's not very good at, at having up-to-date data on, in some areas. And I think maybe, again, that's the reason that why we did so well at COVID. We, we had some really, really, really clever data analysis going on at high speed, but also being listened to at the very top of government in decision-making. And so, for example, in water heating, ECA, the Energy Efficiency and Conservation Authority, use a number of 30% for water heating as a percentage of your power bill. It's, it's just wildly inaccurate and out of date. So I've seen figures um, from uh, the lines companies and that from about 600 homes. And it suggests that in a new build, the average use of energy by water heating is 45%. So nearly 50% of your average home. And that, and that, applies to both low user and standard user in a um, existing home where you've got a standard user it's about 25 percent, i think 22 percent. but for a low user which translates as people who are often in lower income lower socioeconomic categories or older people it's 46 percent is the average use of energy electricity in a house on just heating water. So if you have a renewable system like solar thermal or a hot water heat pump that reduces that by three quarters, you can save a third of your power bill just by, you know, the math is relatively straightforward, actually. I'm going to slot in right there. Pink Floyd, wish you were here. <laughs> okay. And discipline remains massively. Yes, and then now would you take this star
so you think you can tell Heaven from hell Blue skies from pain Can you tell a green field From a cold steel rail A smile from a veil You've just come from recording a webinar. That's right. Yeah. So the New Zealand Green Building Council, who who are doing an amazing job, actually. Full credit to them for leading on these aspects with Home Star and with Green Star and Home Fit. So Home Fit is for existing homes. Home Star is for new homes, and then Green Star is for commercial. And yeah, we, we're exploring 
sustainable water heating options for, for all types of buildings. And those talks generate lots of questions? Yeah, like a 45-minute webinar will usually have 45 minutes of questions and discussion afterwards, which has been great. That's what it's about. These are not some kind of commercial promotion, you know, marketing, yada, yada. It's just about trying to understand what the issues are, what architects and designers and specifiers face, what the limitation is for clients, and so that we can all come together and say, okay, here is the technology, because the technology is often never in doubt. In most cases, it's not a problem with the technology. It's a problem with the adoption or the implementation. And so I see my role as trying to make it as simple as possible to understand what is available and what's possible. And so therefore, people can have confidence to say, okay, we don't need to just do the same old thing or the easy solution or the setting fire to fossilized sunlight let's do something that is more interesting and going to be better for the planet. Of all of the changes, the societal changes you've seen in the last six months, it's August now, so let's go for more, let's go for eight months. What do you think is going to stick and what do you hope will stick? In New Zealand, I think listening to the science and an acceptance of that, it's going to be pretty interesting to see at what point people in in other countries realized that there were alternatives to the path that their politicians took and what the the implications are going to be for that um what do you think's the the reason for that reluctance to listen to to science i mean these politicians are not stupid people i i find it really difficult to answer that question because i just can't even comprehend if you do get good information apart from absolutely sheer bloody-mindedness and selfishness about your own personal gain, why you wouldn't take note of what people are saying. I guess it. the hardest thing that we can do as people often is change. And so if you haven't been used to listening to others in, in whatever respect, you know, be it your business dealings, you just, you know, you go off on your own and you do your own amazing by your own standards thing or in how you educate your children or how you discuss it i mean it's a a similar thing with with religion we've got really intelligent people who perform really important roles then if they're told within a religious context that a certain belief is appropriate or not appropriate and they just swallow that because it's with being told to them in a in the rest of the structure it i find it really difficult to understand it um so yeah maybe that's the challenge is that we can't make change very easily and so it's easier just to accept the stories that you're told by others maybe the change for this pandemic was not that difficult we were asked to sit at home and watch the tv well we didn't have to watch the tv but we were asked to sit at home Whereas for for climate change, we're being asked to stop buying toys and stop going on holiday. Yeah, and I think it was one of the greatest strengths that we had in New Zealand was that whole thing about hard and early. And it was really, really clear what what had to be done. Um, And with climate change, it's not at all clear what has to be done. And the science does keep evolving. Um, And so you, you see it even now 
um, you know, with other countries around coronavirus, if you don't have a really clear understanding and message of what needs to be done, then just things don't happen. What's happening in America is a really good example of that. There, there's all sorts of ideas about what could be done. Um, and so you've got a confused picture. And so lots of different things are happening, some of them good and some of them not. Do you think we'll be able to pull off that translation of that simple message, be kind, to longer term, be kind, bigger scale, be kind? No. I think fundamentally the biggest biggest barrier we face is, is um, reproduction and just the sheer number of people because you can't always make good decisions. It, it's either very difficult or, or impossible. And, you know, I... I <laughs> Living as a human is a is a is a is a challenge um, because you're aware of your own mistakes and faults, and so so even if you are very aware of yourself and try and make the best decisions, you're always going to err because that's just the nature of of of, of consciousness. Um, and so, the more people we have who all err a little, the harder things get. I've been thinking a lot about. Um, the the difference, you know, of all these conversations, the difference between our approach to COVID and our approach to climate change. And with COVID, we could see people literally dying around us, like all over the world, people were dying. And the result was instant. You got the virus, the virus killed you. And you got the virus and you gave the virus to other people and it killed them. And so there was no gap and no room for misinformation. Whereas if you look at climate change, which used to be called, well, whether or not it used to be called global warming, and that was the same thing. That, that's where the misinformation comes from. There was this thing called global warming that was the boogeyman, and it was going to get us all. And and then we were having these massive snowstorms, and people said, oh, well, there's no such thing as global warming. It's ridiculous, and it's, scientists are lying. And it was that mis, misunderstanding of the information because it seems to me that our school systems have moved away from science. And so our young people seem to lack the ability to, well, I don't know about our young people. Actually, I think it's more our generation seems to lack the ability to apply a science lens to things and to properly research, um, to be able to unpack and, uh, and differentiate between uh, accurate information that's been peer-reviewed that you can actually follow the trail for and just something that some dude said that sounds interesting so it kind of it's a tricky situation we find ourselves in i think mm, yeah agreed i think that the term climate chaos is a better one yes i agree yeah climate yep. crisis that's what i tend to use when i'm doing my presentations and i, I try and let it come in um um well, through two things. So, so I've been doing quite a few webinars recently, and I tend to start with a bit of science, um, just the, the highest level, most recent finding. You know, like in November there was eleven thousand scientists, which is a really big number, um, that signed a, um, a, um, a declaration that we've got you know to get on with this right now. <laughs> Come on, you know, now, wake up, wake up. Um, and so there's a bit of that. And then um, I'll just go through um, maybe a little bit about what, what's out there. So just you know, reminding people that, yes, gas is a fossil fuel. And, um, 
yes, we do have 85% renewable electricity here. So, you know, guys, this is the reality of things. You might get sold that, oh, gas is really easy. Yes, okay, but it's still a fossil fuel. It's not very good. Um, but with a background of the, 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 my favorite backgrounds at the moment are the two pictures from the same day in two different parts of New Zealand where you've got the extraordinary drought in Northland in February and then flooding in Southland in February. And then those brilliant photographs from Aussie, well, they're kind of terrifyingly brilliant, with um, uh, know your fire plan with the, the the electronic sign that's like a meter and a half deep in water. It's <laughs> 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 just like, wake up, <laughs> wake up. <laughs> so I have some questions to end the show with and not very much time. What is the biggest success you've had in the last couple of years? Um, bringing new products here to New Zealand that, can really radically reduce carbon emissions for um, heating and, and water heating. So if, if we compare it to coal, it's a 99.5% reduction in, in carbon. But even compared to gas, it's like a 98% reduction in carbon emissions. And even versus something like a heat pump, um, because th there's quite a bit of emission around the, the, the generation of electricity, even in even in really renewable New Zealand, it's about a, a 20 or 30% reduction in carbon emissions. And I think that's my fundamental focus um, at the moment. It is on carbon to, to, to try and alleviate the climate crisis. So we're writing a book of these conversations. It's called Tomorrow's Heroes. It's our team of people doing good work. So what's the superpower that's got you into our mansion? <laughs> um, being able to aggregate a lot of information and then try and put it together in a coherent way to explain to others. Um, yeah, that would be it. Do you consider yourself to be an activist? Ooh, I answered this question in the positive a few months ago. My wife mm -hmm. had me up about it and she said, no, you're not an activist. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, so by her definition, I'm not. <laughs> um and probably by my own i'm not i'm i'm i'm, I'm a practicalist not an act i'm a practical practice pract it sounded better the first time a practicalist <laughs> yeah what motivates you what gets you out of bed in the morning oh they're two different things gets me out of bed my kids um i guess it's a motivation as well as trying to trying to make things better um i feel very much like new zealand's in a amazingly blessed position and i'm very very lucky to be here um and so mm, trying to make the best of the future you know within reason i i can't say that trying to change the future get motivates me because i wouldn't probably get out of bed i'd be lying there crying um but just trying to to do the, the best that i can and what challenge are you looking forward to in the next year or so We've got a family trip to the South Island for a month. Um, exciting. In a camper van. Yeah, it's going to be awesome and terrifying. A month <laughs> with <laughs> the four of us in a metal box. <laughs> Travelling around. Um, and Yeah, that, that's kind of one of the greatest opportunities we've got to, 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 to live in this country and have the freedom of movement and, and, and have the, you know, the, what we've got right on our doorstep. So we're, we're, we're embracing... Um, 
you know Naitahu's offer of, of of having better price camper vans for the for the for the Kiwi locals and and we're like yeah we'll take it for a month <laughs> in a in a fit of of enthusiasm and positivity and lastly do you have any advice for our listeners don't let salespeople sell you stuff and reflect back on why you're really doing it and it doesn't matter if you don't buy something it's actually in a lot of cases actually quite good not to do things um, and try and do less buying and less solving things through the wallet thank you very much for that mawira now i say here here to that marcus and if you can buy it second hand buy it second hand yeah we didn't even talk about crew that's probably one of my best i'd say that's the thing i'm most proud of having achieved was was setting up of crew um and and the fact that it's entirely self-funding and has been since the since the yeah the, pretty much the day it opened you have to quickly tell us what crew is now oh sorry okay so the crew is a place called community resources fakatani um and it's a community reuse center in fakatani which um i helped to, to establish oh quite a few years ago now eight, eight eight years ago probably um and it's i, I always used to liken it to a secondhand department store because you could get pretty much everything. We didn't used to do clothes because that's well covered by the op shops, but but everything else. And um, we had investment from the Ministry of Environment's Waste Minimization Fund and the local council, so Fakatani District Council, and Teodunanga um, or Natiawa. And so they each chipped in some money. So so we had some puti here to, to get it going. Um, but after that initial investment, it's been entirely self-funding ever since. And I think that's incredibly important for um, any organization. But, um, you know, of course, commercial entities have to be self-funding or well, unless you're a bank, because then you can just go to the government and ask for money whenever you lose it. But apart from them, um, you know, if, if you're a community organization and you want to make positive change, if you can fund it yourself, you can decide exactly what you want to do when you want to do it and not be at the behoven of, of funders constantly. So, yeah, I think it's got what, four or five full-time employees now and you know, turns over a fair bit of stuff that it provides back to the community at low cost. It's so good. A lot of what's in my house came from there. Thank you, Marcus, for that. Oh, it was, yeah, it was just one of those amazing moments when I remember really clearly when Lisa and I, um, I don't think we even had a Maddie at that point, maybe we did, she was a baby, and we walked into this kind of empty warehouse-type structure on the side of, a, of an organisation called Pofocado, and it was just used to park their vans and store stuff. And we're like, wow, this could be an amazing community reuse centre. <laughs> and the people at Pofocado are like, oh, what? Oh, it's all right. We'll get some money and we'll start it. Are you on board? Oh, well, sounds good. Yeah, go on then if you can get it happening. All right. <laughs> I'll never forget. Am I, oh, I'm sure it's all right now because Jeremy's long gone. But Jeremy Gardner was the CEO of Tiadu Nanga on Natiola. And uh, I'll never forget phoning him up one afternoon, just like because we had a very short time frame for the application. Jeremy, Jeremy, if the council put in twenty thousand dollars, will you match it? Because we need to get funding from the Ministry of Environment. What? What for? <laughs> oh, well, we're going to create this environmental reuse centre that's going to sell like secondhand goods at really good value and create jobs in the area. Yeah, yeah. All right. Yeah, it sounds good. I'm just in Wellington. I've just got to go into a meeting, Marcus. I'll, I'll speak to you later. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Jeremy, great. 
And so we wrote down on the application form, yep, Natiawa, $20,000. <laughs> and, um, and then, yeah, sort of got back in touch and sort of four months later, oh, the ministry said yes. <laughs> Are you still good for it? <laughs> Let's go out to Dave Brubeck. Take five.
You've been listening to Blowing Bubbles, positive conversations with people in their bubbles, their safe spaces around the world. Brought to you by the Sustainable Lens Team, which is brought to you by Otago Polytechnic. We broadcast on Otago Access Radio every weekday afternoon at 3 and streamed and podcast on oar.org.nz. You can find us on Facebook and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. We had a contribution today from Tahu McKenzie. I'm Samuel Mann in Sawyer's Bay, Dunedin, with Wera Karatai in Fakatani and Marcus Baker outside Fakatani. We hope you enjoyed the show. This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air.